0: everyone. Glad to see you. Um, well, of course, I can't see you, but you can see me. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to open with a word of prayer because this I need it this morning for this class. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word and the Holy Spirit make a winning combination. And you, you use me any way that you can. We ask your anointing on this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Rick asked me to, to speak on James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And I want to, I'm going to read it from a couple of translations. I, I want to read it, first of all, from the um, uh, Christian Standard Bible. It's a, that's a, a good translation. I'll start at verse 13. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city, spend a year there, and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Um, A tough bunch of scriptures. I've read James a lot, and I don't have any underlining or anything on those because it's not that I've avoided them. I just never thought that much about them. So I'm going to read the one we're going to talk about is James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 in the voice translation. It's very good. Uh, So listen to this one. Listen carefully. (coughs) Excuse me. Those of you who make your plans and say we are traveling to this city in the next few days, we'll stay there for a year while our business explodes and revenue is up. The reality is you have no idea where your life will take you tomorrow. You are like a mist that appears one moment and then vanishes another. It would be best to say, if it is the Lord's will and we live long enough, we hope to do this project or pursue that dream. But your current speech indicates an arrogance that does not acknowledge the one who controls the universe. And this kind of big talking is the epitome of evil. So if you know the right way to live and ignore it, it is sin, plain and simple. Now, one of the, uh, the, the most difficult parts of this for me is the idea... That planning ahead, and a lot of people get a, come away with this, with the idea that it's wrong to plan ahead. Uh, scripture doesn't speak that. Scripture doesn't talk to that at all. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here, but I want to I want to set another tone for you. Let's look at Romans chapter fourteen, verse twenty three. Now, listen to this one. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So you could be doing things, and not be—you could be doing the right thing if there's no faith involved in it. It's sin. And the, the scriptures we're looking at in James indicate that if you know the right way to live and you don't do it, that it's sin, plain and simple. Now, I've looked at a number of commentaries on this and I've come up with, with a couple of interesting interesting points. Let's look at, I want to look at what the Disciple Bible the disciple study Bible says in its footnote. Now listen to this listen this is talking about the sin that's involved in these scriptures. Self centeredness refraining from doing what one knows is good is sin just as surely as is doing the wrong thing. This is commonly called a sin of omission. We do not act rightly because we think it's not in our own interest to do such. Such self centeredness is the root of Of all sins. Now, the thing I look at this when I look at this and the other scriptures that I've come across is they're in essence saying to plan to do something and not get God involved in it is a sin. And um, uh, I want to say a couple things. One, I think people do this not necessarily intentionally, but they do it out of ignorance. Um, I can promise you, in all the the sermons I've listened to, uh, I got I became a Christian in 1968 uh, in a reform school. Uh, it was in July, and I believe it was July 17, 1968, when I committed my life to the Lord. And in that in that process, over the years, I can't count the number of times that I've heard preaching but I've never heard anyone say you need to involve God in the plans for the future not like they're, not like they're talking about here and uh, there's a, a number of experiences that my wife and I have had um, when I was leaving uh, I was in actually in um, Columbus Ohio And we felt the Lord led us to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, before we did that, uh, we prayed. We took great pains to find out if that's where God wanted us. We even flew to Tulsa and met some friends of ours there. And actually, we drove to Tulsa with some friends to meet a pair that had uh, been our friends for years. They were in Rama Bible Training Center. We thought that's where I went, I, I, that I was to go. So we made plans to go to Tulsa, and we involved God in it, and we knew that we were supposed to go to Tulsa. Now, what happened when I got there? I couldn't get into to Rama, but the day that I got there, a job opening happened in uh, at Oral Roberts University, and I happened to be the walk into the door when they posted it, and I happened to be the guy that fulfilled all the requirements of that job opening. So I worked at All Roberts University. While I was there, the Lord did a lot of things for me that I didn't think too much of at the time, but later on I could see uh, what my pastor friend Jerry Varnado said, only by looking back over time can you see that God does all things well. And I was able to to see how God used that. Well, at the time we we left Tulsa to come to Athens, Georgia, we did the same thing. We involved uh, the Lord directly. And so in a very real sense, we were involving God. We planned to do this, uh, but we didn't know what was going to happen. In fact, in 1988 when I moved here, uh, and, my, and Julia came in January of 89. We knew the Lord sent us here, but 1989 was the worst year of our life.
1: It was terrible. It,
0: every day was just one mess after another. But yet we knew the Lord sent us there. So, but we involved him in the planning process. Now, um, while I was in Tulsa, I had a job where I traveled. Constantly, uh, I had I handled uh, 34 franchises on the West Coast uh, for the company I worked for, and I was one. The one year I'm thinking of, I'd made 150 flights in one year, and uh, it was so bad. I traveled so much that I was walking through D concourse at Salt Lake City at the airport. And the guy cleaning the yogurt stand saw me and said, Hello, Mr. Hines, how are you doing? And uh, right then I thought, well, maybe I'm on the road too much. Because, you know, I don't want to go home. And Julia goes, Who are you? Uh, So, uh, but one thing I noticed about, and the Lord quickened me in this, when I was traveling in Tulsa, there was no ambiguity about my schedule. I had, I had backup to backup plans. And I've never missed a plane, never lost a flight, because I had backup plans to everything. And the Lord says, You can't live that way and follow me. So when I was going through D concourse, if something was wrong there, I turned the page and I got plan B. If that didn't go, I got plan C. I never got down to plan D, but I did get to plan C several times, and I never missed a flight. It it just didn't happen. That was me planning and not involving God. I just didn't involve God in that, not because I didn't want to. I just knew how to travel and thought I was doing the right thing. But I should have involved God in a lot of that stuff. If I did, I probably wouldn't have made 150 flights that year. Now... Um, I want to look at some scriptures. Let's look at Proverbs 16. Uh, Let's see, Proverbs 16. And I'll go to verse 3. Commit your works to Yahweh and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Then go down to verse 9. says, The heart of man plans his way, but God directs his steps. So you do want to plan. You do want to think ahead. You just want to get God involved. He's got plan B. If your plan A doesn't work out. When we moved to Tulsa, we were so concerned we'd miss God. The friend that was out there, uh, I was meeting with him, and we spent a lot of time in prayer. He was was a pastor and still, he just retired this last year. But he met, i never forget, I was at a table in his house, a little stand between the kitchen and the dining room. He put a plate of eggs down there and gave me a cup of coffee, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, Andy, there's no law against moving from Columbus to Tulsa. No law to prevent that. And you've prayed about it. Don't be afraid to take a step because God's grace is far greater than your ability to screw things up. And what he was telling me was, don't wait until everything looks perfect. you got to trust God. We knew the Lord wanted us to go. We just wanted to make sure about every little jot and tittle. So we did move, and it worked out really well for us. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. We go to Proverbs 6, and it says Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O oh slugger, When you uh, rise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come upon you like a vagabond, and your you will uh, and your want like an armed bandit. You do have to plan again. God's got that built into insects. They they know enough to store food for the winter. So do other animals. Um, chipmunks. I love we got chipmunks in our house. Once they start eating nuts and birdseed, their cheeks are about four times bigger than their head because they take them back and they they feed them and save them. Now, having said that, I want to look at one of my favorite guys in the Bible and let's look how he planned ahead. Turn to to the book of Nehemiah and let's talk about what Nehemiah did. Let's see, that one's in the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, there it is, right there. If you turn to Nehemiah, you look at verse uh, chapter 1, it says, During the month of Chislev in the 20th year, he asked his brother, asked ask somebody, How's it going in Jerusalem? And they said to me, The remnant is in is in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. Now listen to what his response was. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the gods of heaven. So when he heard the bad news, he didn't rush out to try to help it. He settled down and asked God what was going on. And God gave him a plan, okay? And we find out as we read through here that when he went there, he didn't tell anybody what God had planned, but he knew ahead of time. He had lumber. He had letters written that gave him permission to go through. And because the hand of God was on him, the king gave him everything that that he asked for to get through. Now, we go on down, and if you get to verse chapter 4, you read about Sambalat uh, I remember in the, in the King James, Samballat, Tobiah, and Gashmu the Arab. Now, we don't know who Gashmu was, but he was clearly one of the opposition against Nehemiah building the walls. Nehemiah tells you through that chapter and through this this whole book how to plan ahead. How to plan ahead. Now, in that framework, we want to move on and let's talk about a couple of other ideas here. There was between the time he got the news and the time he made the move, was between three and five months. So the short end was 90 days, and the long end was 150 days, basically. It was what it was. Now, during that time, he kept at his job and he prayed. Then the Lord gave him the opportunity when the king talked to him. So the prayer that Nehemiah did basically prepared the way for him where he was going to go. And he did plan ahead. Now, turn to Luke chapter 12. Now, in Luke, Scripture will be familiar to people. But we want to go to Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 16. Now listen to this. Then he told a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you've many good things stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with one who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. Now, the guy that he's talking about here, I believe, is the man they're talking about in James. They're not talking about you as an individual making plans to go ahead. You do that. But what they're talking about, I, I, I had a business, and we prayed, and we did a lot of good things with the business. We, we, the Lord blessed us, Uh, We did far greater than anybody we should have. Uh, We were a small company in Athens, Georgia. And we did some very creative things that the Lord gave me the idea for. Uh, As we were praying about what we do, one short story, my wife talked to me one day. She said, I got a call from so-and-so. She said, you left them an estimate, but they can't read it. They don't know what it says. And she said that your writing is so bad, God can't read it. And so I said, well, what do I do? Well, back then, DOS was still an operating system, and I got a little DOS laptop from Radio Shack. And my dad, I got a printer, and my dad built a rack in my car for the printer And we wired it so I could hook it up. And I designed a form for all our estimates and service calls and things. And so when I went out and did something, I'd come back, turn the printer on, put the paper in, use the form that I had, and then print it out. And it looked, I mean, it was very professional. And I got a lot more. I got sales. We just had tremendous sales because now, one, people could read what I was doing. But it was an idea that the Lord gave me. Now, Somebody told our National Trade Magazine what I was doing. Nobody else was doing anything like it. So they came to Athens and put me on the front cover of our National Trade Magazine, and they did a complete uh, write-up on our company. I was just a small company in Athens, Georgia. That article led to me becoming a part of a much bigger organization, and then... I had a 20 year career with them. And it just goes back to the thing, we involved God in a problem. And the Lord gave us an idea. We acted on it and that idea bore fruit for years down the road. So that's one of the things that you want to remember. And and as I look at this and I and I've read a number of of Items that people talked about. And one of the ways, and, and I struggled with this because I don't want people to think uh, that planning is bad. Because some people will take that from this. The more I got into it, I found out planning was good. The issue here was not planning, it was not involving God in the decision. I made a note down here. One of the commentators made this said this. The problem, though, is not in their plans, but in the independence of those who intended projects. He is not part of their business life. God is not part of their business life, and His will is not considered at all. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, they talk about God's will. Is it God's will to do this? There's some things that you want to know, and a lot of times people will refer to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane telling God, if it be your will, remove this. If not, go on. Well, the difference there is Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. He was just asking God to change it. A lot of times when people ask for God's will, they don't have a clue what it is they're supposed to do. And asking for God, you know, I pray, well, do I do this or do I do that? If it be God's will, well, what they're really doing—pardon <coughs> me—what they're really doing is dumping on God the, the the decision. And if it doesn't work out, they can go back and say, "Well, it was God's fault." Now, if it be God's will, the scriptures tell you you don't have to go to God and ask Him, "Should Lord, should I commit adultery with my neighbor's wife?" If it be Your will, well, you don't have to do that. Scripture tells you that that's not a good thing to do. Um, <clears throat> should I be taking? <clears throat> pardon me. Should I be taking drugs intravenously and hanging around with street prostitutes? Well, you don't have to ask God about that because He spoke to it in the Bible. There are so many things that God's already told us about that we don't do, or we act like we don't know what to do. The problem is. We know what to do, we just don't do it. And there are choices that we make that God lets happen even though it's not His will. A classic example of that is you go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. We won't go there, but you can go there and read about Saul being picked as God's king. God didn't want him to, Samuel didn't want him to, but the people said, we want a king. We want a king, we want a king. So they got God gave him a king. And then he it wasn't his will, but then he said if you if the king will do these things, if you'll follow him, I'll still bless you. Well of course we know Saul didn't. And <clears throat> you can go to Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight and verse thirty six. And you can see that part of the curse was, and the way way that the Lord said it was, that the king you chose, and he tells it very specifically, I didn't choose this guy, you did. And I believe we're in that situation in the United States right now. The situation we're in isn't some super secret plan that God has. It is a mess that we have because this is what we wanted. That's what the fight is about. This is what we wanted. And so, what is God's will? Well, you need to pray about that. You need to ask God about it. But go to the Word first. A lot of the things that you may not know what God's will is may already be in the Bible. And you could go back to Proverbs. A man's mind plans his way, but God directs his step. In my case, Lord... We believe you want us to go to Tulsa. And he confirmed that. But when we got to Tulsa, I wanted to go left. And God said, no, you go right over to Oral Roberts University rather than go there. So I worked at Oral Roberts University for several years. And during that time, part of my employee benefits is I got to take classes for free. So I took several classes. And although I didn't finish and get a degree, I don't have a degree from anything. I've been to every school you can imagine. I got kicked out of all of them except the reform School. And I graduated from it. So God will help you with your plans. He'll help you make the moves that you need to make. And as I told you earlier, 1989 was so bad, man, halfway through the year, I'm ready to call it quits and go back to Egypt where there's leeks and onions in Tulsa. But God managed to get us through. And I'll close with this story. In the process of looking at all of this and planning... You may get hear what God said, but you may run into so many roadblocks. You think, well, I miss God somewhere. In that situation, I thought, boy, this thing is so bad in Athens. And I had a truck. I had the only demon possessed truck Chevrolet ever made. And when I drove over the ra- uh, over a um, uh, train track, all of a sudden the car hit a bump, and the stereo system started working like it was quadraphonic sound. And the guy came on the radio and he said, and now we'll hear a song from Steve Green. It's called, People Need the Lord. And I pulled over on the side of the road as that song was going through. And I just sat there and I cried for probably 15 minutes. When it was over, I knew that everything was going to be okay. I don't know how I knew it. I knew everything was going to be okay. And as a point of reference, the radio never worked right after that. God's grace is far greater than your ability to screw things up. And there are so many stories that God pulled us out of the fire in 1989. It's like when the smoke cleared and the dust settled going into 1990, we were standing up and we were getting ready to move in, and God enabled us to even buy the business that we were working in. So, trusting God in those situations, don't you, you plan ahead, but involve Him in it. But you got to be flexible enough to know that He may change directions on you. He may get you where you want to go, but He may change directions on you. So, thank you for listening. I hope this has given somebody some, some encouragement. I know for me it was a difficult thing to, plan, to, to, to study for because I'd never done it before, but I think I learned something from it. I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that when we plan ahead, you direct our steps. So we may think it's the right thing to go to Tulsa, and go to Rhema, but when we get to Tulsa, you may say, no, 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 I want you to go over here to Oral Roberts University. There's many people out there praying about that now, Father. I ask you to guide them, give them peace about their decisions, in Jesus' name. Amen. Talk to you later, folks. Thanks for listening.